Hello and welcome to the January 10th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, as always, it is wonderful, and I am grateful to be out there with you as well. So let me start by saying this. While I am grateful to be out there with you, and I want to believe that you are grateful to have me out there with you as well. Uh, what that really means is that Mr. Joe, from day one, going back to over a year ago, from the moment that I started this podcast, Mr. Joe is supposed to be, I guess what I would refer to as a leader, an educator, a how do I put it, um, a means of, of support, um, somebody who can set an example for others, and somebody that you all can be proud of. And really, that's what I want to be. I want to be that for everybody, and I have to tell you, Mr. Joe feels today, on January 10th of 2019, that I have been letting everybody down. I really do. I feel like I've been letting everybody down. And, and this thought came into my brain as of yesterday. Now, yesterday was an off day. And during my off day, as I promised myself, I would make sure that I get to the gym on those particular days. So... Allow me to paint a picture for you to help you to understand how I have come to this determination that Mr. Joe is letting each and every one of you down out there. Now, got in my car yesterday, got on the highway, drove to the gym, and from the moment I got in my car all the way to the gym, which is about a 12-minute drive from where I was, uh, I found it very difficult to drive because I was actually extremely anxious. Uh, anybody who's driven with anxiety before knows that it's not the greatest feeling in the world to be behind the wheel of an automobile and be driving when you're in a mental state that is not really conducive to what you are doing. And when you're behind the the wheel of a car, you know, it's dangerous enough to begin with. And now you're driving with anxiety and hoping that you don't fall into a panic attack, which I have not had in a very, very long time. But I made it. I made it to the gym. And I turned off the ignition. I locked up my car door and got my gym bag and I started to walk to the gym and as I'm crossing the street all of a sudden an incredible amount of depression started to seep in it's almost as if I felt it in my bones 
not just in my brain, but in my bones. I don't know if anybody can understand what that means, but it was an overwhelming feeling of depression. Now, the walk from the car to the gym was about 40 seconds. wasn't a long walk. So for 40 seconds, I will tell you this, that Mr. Joe actually broke down, um, and I began to cry as I walked from my car to the gym. And I don't understand why. I don't know what triggered it, what prompted it. I think we all know collectively as a group probably what went on. And it's a very simple two-worded phrase that can be defined as bipolar disorder. No, we don't need anything to cause us to cry. We don't need anything to cause depression. No, I'm not going to just hang in there. No, I'm not just blue because it's the winter. Um, Mr. Joe, who rants and raves and to some extent brags about his stability because of medication, well, I got hit hard yesterday. I got hit hard with depression. And thankfully it subsided once I got into the gym and actually began to work out. I really did not think I was going to be able to make it through my workout once I was in the locker room and I had to change and um, you know, the way I was moving, for those of you who have tried to undress yourself and then redress yourself while you're depressed, it's pretty damn hard. I mean, I literally could not even take off a sock. That's how depressed I was. But I managed to get myself into my gym clothes. I went up to, you know, walked up a flight of stairs, which is where the weight section was. And I'd say the first 10 minutes was a very, very difficult workout for Mr. Joe. And uh, somehow, some way, I made it through. However, about five minutes before I was to be completed with my workout, my phone rang and up came my office number from work. And I ignored it. And instantly, and of course, no voicemail was left, instantly the paranoia started. The paranoia was, why are they calling me? What do they want? They know where I am. I'm getting fired. Why is this happening to me? Now, the good news is it was one of my buddies that I used to work at at my old company. She actually dialed my cell phone by accident. I believe she was in an email of mine. And the link took her to my phone number and it dialed, whatever that might mean. Um, so no, I did not get fired. No, I was not on the brink of being fired, but the paranoia within Mr. Joe's mind and body is just unexplainable. Combine that with the fact that unfortunately for the first time in a very, very long time, um, and I would actually have to go back in podcast episodes to track when the last time was, but Mr. Joe has been hearing voices since yesterday. Um, I was under the impression the day before and the day before that that they were kind of seeping through a little bit and I've been ignoring what I've been hearing. Um, not interested in hearing those things, hoping and praying that they would just go away. And unfortunately, as I speak to my audience now, I'm having a very difficult time concentrating on the words that are coming out of my mouth because I have... Oh, God, how do I explain it? Screaming, yelling, insult, insults. Um, very loud in my brain. So this is going to be a challenge for Mr. Joe. Now, why do I feel like I'm letting everybody down? Well, 
talk about the paranoia, talk about the anxiety, talk about the voices, talk about the depression. Let's even throw in the fact that in order for Mr. Joe to sit in his car right now, it is freezing cold in Mr. Joe's neighborhood right now. So in order for me to sit in my car and be relatively warm, I had to take a drive around my work area to get the heat going so I could put it on my feet. And as I'm driving through the little development over here where I work, I started screaming and outbursts and, you know, um, nonsensical words. And um, I've described it in the past as these utterances that make no sense, that just seem to come out of my mouth. It's almost an impulsivity, um, a tick, so to speak. And it only happens when I am manic. So there you go, mixed episodes. I went from depressed to manic, and God only knows what I am dealing with now. Are the voices coming from mania? Are the voices coming from depression? I don't know, but let's get back into the part where Mr. Joe says I'm letting everybody down. And here's why I think I'm letting everybody down. And please understand that this is not meant for Mr. Joe to judge anybody based on what they are doing in their lives right now, what they are doing to help their bipolar disorder, what are they what they are doing to manage the symptoms of their bipolar disorder. This is not meant in any way whatsoever to judge anybody. And I've always said that from day one that if you are not taking medication and you're using marijuana and you're drinking alcohol, that is not the way to go. I've always said that. I've always been transparent with everybody, but I've never knocked anybody for it because I've been there and done that and I understand. And the only thing I could do is beg people to not end up where Mr. Joe is and if you are smoking, if you are drinking, to put it all down right now. And then, what does Mr. Joe do? The so-called leader the so-called support system, the center of the support system that we're all together here with in terms of a podcast family. Well, that leader, that, that support system in Mr. Joe has failed you all miserably because what I did was I reached for marijuana again. And I know this is very contradictory of everything that I've said over the last couple of weeks, but I really thought about things and I said to myself, why am I smoking marijuana? And more importantly, are the feelings that I've had over the last few days, the paranoia, the voices, the anxiety, the depression, and now even the mixed episodes of mania thrown in there, are they a result of the marijuana use? I can't help but ask myself that. Now, I will tell you this, the last three nights I have not smoked marijuana, I have not used any edibles, um, and unfortunately for me, it almost seems like things have gotten worse. Now I have to wonder and say to myself, is this bounce back anxiety, is this because things were going well and then I took the marijuana away from myself and now all of a sudden I'm experiencing all these things? I don't know. I don't know, but you know what? It almost makes me want to think or believe that I'm, I'm putting myself back into that same pattern that I once was in when I was abusing marijuana and on medication. And I don't know if that's the right approach to take, nor do I know if I should be advising anybody to go ahead and do that. Now, while I have not, 
I do know that there are a vast majority of you out there that take Mr. Joe's word and consider it to be golden. And I appreciate that. But guess what? My words are not golden. As a matter of fact, I am just like everybody out there. I have bipolar disorder. I make terrible decisions at times. I don't think about consequences all the time. And in this case, I've been smoking marijuana like it's going out of style. And whatever the case may be, I have been experiencing some pretty bad symptoms over the last few days. Now, here's where I revert back to the fact that I may be still somebody that you can look towards as a success story, even though I have been smoking marijuana. Let's put it this way. First and foremost, I reached for marijuana, not because I wanted to get high, but because I wanted to sleep better. I'm not making excuses for my usage, but my ultimate reason as to why I grabbed marijuana in the first place, and again, medical marijuana, we're not talking about Mr. Joe hanging out on the streets, okay, I'm not making excuses, I'm not trying to make this better than it is, but I reached for marijuana for sleep, and it helped. But the other thing I wanted to say is if I was not medicated properly, there is a very good chance that Mr. Joe would never even be able to make this connection between my feelings and the marijuana. What I would have done is just used more marijuana because of the way that I felt in the hopes that that would help. And if it didn't help, I'd probably extend myself to a drug dealer of some sort and engage in other drugs to make myself feel better. But I've chosen not to do that. What I've chosen to do as a medicated person with bipolar disorder who is able to think relatively rationally, I've come to the conclusion that marijuana just may not be the answer for Mr. Joe. And here's the other thing, guys. And this is why I say medication is so important for bipolar disorder is... Mr. Joe, believe it or not, and I know this sounds a little bit far-fetched, but I can just stop just like that, whereas in the past, I was never able to. Now, am I looking for a pat on the back here? Am I looking for a gold medal? Absolutely not. No, that's not my point. My point is that my medication is working wonders to some extent, and it's allowing me to make decisions that are probably more beneficial for the long-term outcomes of my bipolar disorder, and that may be completely eliminating marijuana from my life. I tried it again. I don't think that it's working. I really don't. I think it's making things worse. Now, just like I've said a thousand times where all individuals, things happen to work better for others, and the same Mr. Joe that was dead set against marijuana in the beginning of my treatment and in the beginning of my podcast, I will not eliminate it from your usage. The only time I will say that it's not a good thing is if you are managing your bipolar disorder with marijuana alone, because I just don't think that that will work. And I only say that because it didn't work for Mr. Joe. So I could be wrong. There are a lot of medical benefits to marijuana, but... Um, I'm not so dead against it anymore. I just, I think we need to monitor our symptoms. And unfortunately, if you're not medicated, many times it's very hard to do. And if something is not working, we simply stop it. But guess what? Like I said, it's not that easy when you are an act addict and you're not medicated for your bipolar. That's it. It's as simple as that. Now, 
there's another couple of things that prompted me. Well, one in particular that prompted me to come to this realization or decision. Um, I read a review just the other day that actually does not come from the United States. And I am not one to worry about reviews. You know, people are going to like me. People are going to hate me. There are going to be some people that turn this podcast on from day one and said to themselves, you know what? He's not into drinking. He's not into marijuana. What the hell do I want to listen to him for? Okay. Then there are some people that turned around and probably said, because I now started smoking marijuana again, what the hell do I want to listen to him again for? So there's a good chance that from the moment I started my podcasting, I lost quite a few listeners. And there's a good chance that once I was honest with my audience about my marijuana usage, I lost a lot of listeners then. That upsets me, obviously, because I want, I want us all to be together. I want us to um, work through this together. But what doesn't bother me is when people have negative things to say about me. Because I've been there, done that. Okay? Been there, done that. And a review the other day that came from a, um, a different uh, country other than the United States of America... Um, now, while the um, grammar was not incredibly accurate, it was pretty easy to make out what this particular listener had to say, and he he named the po- he named the review as was good. So, in other words, was W A S good was good. I said, "What the hell does that mean? Was good? Well, clearly, it means it was good at one point, and now it sucks. And you want to know why it sucks? According to this." particular listener. I had a relapse with drinking and he was able to blow that off. He or she was able to blow that off. And now I'm smoking marijuana and I have the nerve to blame my bipolar disorder on my usage of marijuana. Well, let's get one thing perfectly straight. And I I really promised myself that I wasn't going to address this review, but I feel the need to anyway. Let's get one thing perfectly straight. I don't blame bipolar disorder for any of the decisions that I make when it comes to drugs. Yes, granted, we've all come to the realization that we are usually drug addicts when we have bipolar disorder. But let me tell you something. I am not going to sit here and say ever on a podcast that I chose to go down the path of cocaine usage or opiate usage or marijuana usage because I'm bipolar and think that it allows me to give to get a pass. It doesn't work like that. We are responsible for our own decisions and whether I want to say it's because I have bipolar disorder or not, it's a decision that I've made being a medicated individual that I thought was going to be beneficial for me not to just get high like this review claims that I want to do. Now, was I getting high? Absolutely. Because that's what we do. Not because we have bipolar disorder, but because we're drug addicts. But if I wasn't medicated, I would never be able to recognize the fact that I was not using marijuana appropriately. Now, this listener, this reviewer, also went on to say that I need to reevaluate myself. Seriously, Mr. Joe, you need to reevaluate. 
and also accused me or indicated or predicted that next week I'll be taking opiates. <laughs> Let me guarantee everybody out there that will not be happening. Um, now, I know it's very easier said than done, considering the fact that I've talked about alcohol in the past and I had a relapse when I went away. I haven't had a relapse since. It's going to happen to the best of us. It is what it is. But I can seriously sit here and say that Mr. Joe will not be utilizing cocaine or opiates anytime soon. So, um, And guess what? If I do, you're going to know about it also. Okay? You're going to know about it. And it doesn't matter if that, if that produces 15 or 20 negative reviews. I don't care. I don't care. Because as far as I'm concerned, if I'm not honest with my audience, what good am I? I'm a human being, just like the rest of you. One that struggles each and every day with maintaining my sobriety. And guess what? 15 long years of not sleeping through a night ever since I have stopped smoking marijuana over the last few days. My sleep has been horrific. I'm back up. I'm not sleeping well. And for all I know, maybe that led to my anxiety yesterday. Maybe it's not the marijuana. Nevertheless, because of the symptoms that I felt in conjunction with that review that I saw, and I don't really read reviews. It just so happens that I came across it. That's all. I came across it. I don't know how. I don't know why. I, I was Googling something. It took me to an Australian iTunes website of some sort, not even a U.S. website. And that was what was said about Mr. Joe and the decisions that I've made. So it is what it is. <clears throat> is it upsetting to me? To some extent, because ultimately when I conveyed all this marijuana information to all of you in my heart of hearts I really did feel like I was letting everybody down um, I, I did I don't know why it's just listen it's just what I felt because I felt that all along because I was not smoking marijuana that had a tremendous impact on my mood in a positive way and the fact that I had eliminated it from my life that is part of what allowed me to get to where I am today. So, to some extent, I'm ashamed. Um, I do feel like I've let everybody down. But um, please understand that I, had, I did not stop smoking marijuana because of this review. I actually stopped smoking three days ago, I think it was. Three nights ago. And the review I just came across yesterday, and it just so happened that I came across it after all that anxiety and all that stuff... Um, the voices have me concerned. They, they really, really do. They really do. Now, listen, this may have nothing to do with the marijuana. Again, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, and I don't know what my decision is going to be moving forward. I really don't know. Uh, you know, I think about tonight, and I think about going to bed. I'll be able to sleep um, or get to sleep very easy like I always am, but I don't want to wake up again. So there's a part of me that's struggling with all of this. So, again, I ask everybody, I know I've asked many, many times, and, I, and I'm begging you, MrJoeBP at Yahoo.com, tell me what you think. What is Mr. Joe supposed to be doing? Is this, is this part, this anxiety, is it part of the marijuana? Is it bounce-back anxiety? Are the voices because I started using it? Or am I just overreacting? I mean, listen, let's put it this way. 
my old Suboxone doctor many, many years ago, <clears throat> my first one, who used to prescribe me all my psychiatric medication, which was not a very good idea because I was telling her I was going to a psychiatrist and I would just say to her, oh, I'm not going until, you know, two weeks from now. Could you fill this? And she'd fill me refill after refill. Um, every time I tested for Suboxone, I would also test positive for marijuana. And this particular doctor was perfectly okay with it. As a matter of fact, I've been around a lot of doctors who have okayed the usage of marijuana. The problem is, like I've said many, many times before, like everything else in life, Mr. Joe abuses things just like many of you out there, so we have to be careful. What is the end story of this? I don't really know. I have no idea, everybody, but I'm going to have to monitor the situation. And, of course, like I am always willing to do, I will always let everybody know where I'm at and what I feel and um, be honest with you. Now, that that introduction went a lot longer than I had anticipated it to go. We're now 25 minutes into our podcast, and uh, really what I wanted to focus on today is something that I think we've spent a little bit of time on, but I wanted to review it again because... It's important. It's important because I've gotten a lot of emails over the last month or so that have been talking to me about their job, believe it or not, and what it, what it takes to go to your job and be consistent at your job, actually be able to show up, hold down a job, be employed when you have bipolar disorder. And many people just cannot understand why, when we have bipolar disorder, why we can't hold down a job. Now, I've bragged many times in the past about how Mr. Joe has been in the same career for about 22 years. That's all well and good. Now, let's, let's think about it, though, okay? While I have not gotten fired from a number of different positions. There's a reason for that, and that's because of the way that my career really, really kind of ended up being, which was being a 1099 or what we call an independent contractor or somebody who owns their own business. So what I'm trying to say is employment and bipolar disorder are two things, unfortunately, that a lot of times don't mix, especially when we're not medicated. Just to give you an example, and this goes back all the way to when I was in a private school, the young age of 18, or no, sorry, 19, 20, 21, okay? Teacher's assistant, and then became a teacher in a private school. And I will never forget that Mr. Joe, first and foremost, was so cocky and confident that one day I was called into the office by the director of the school or the principal or whoever that person was at the time. Her name was Patty. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And Mr. Cocky, confident Mr. Joe, thought that Patty wanted to meet with me to let me know what a wonderful job I was doing. Well, when I sat down in the chair, Patty informed me that I was no longer within my PTO days, meaning I had exceeded all my absent days and I had none left. Now, a couple of things here. Number one, I had no idea. That's how gone I was. 
And number two, while I was gone in terms of what my PTO was looking like, I had no care in the world. Not necessarily during the meeting. During the meeting, I was taken back. I couldn't believe that I was being accused of this. But if you think about it, I went through a phase when I first started working before I, I committed, tried to commit suicide, before bipolar was ever even a thing in my head. I was calling out once a week. Once a week, at least, I was calling out. 19, 20 years old. I didn't care. I mean, what were the reasons? It's too long ago to really think back to it, but um, I could tell you it was probably similar to the reasons of why I would call out when I was an independent contractor, which is I really had no reason. It was just impulsive. It was what I felt during that particular day. And if it wasn't a good day for me, if I was depressed, if I felt like I just couldn't make it, if I was manic and I felt like I would rather go do drugs than spend the day at work. Once I convinced myself with bipolar disorder, and this happens to many of us, once I convinced myself that I was not working for that day, you best believe I was calling in. And my God, now that I think about it, this goes back all the way to when I was 16 years old as an assistant manager over at a shoe store. That I went to the extent of calling out and having my best friend at the time who sounded like me on the phone on three-way conference call call my boss and call out pretending that he was me. The insane things that we have done. Now, as an independent contractor, like I said, I, I didn't have a care in the world. Number one, it was my own business. Now, while Mr. Joe was not necessarily terminated... And mainly because I'm one of those bipolar people that, you know, when you do your job, you do it really well. When you're on, you're on. And there are, there's not a lot of people out there that can provide therapeutic services, no autism, can train families, can do what I do when it comes to the autism community. But let me tell you something. That only lasted for a few years where people would say, you know what? He's out a lot, but when he's here, he does a good job. Well, you finally eventually get to the point where no matter how good you are, what good is it if you don't show up? And I can tell you right now, was it depression? Possibly. Was it mania? Possibly. Was it because I was doing drugs and I only wanted to go to work when I was high? Probably. As a matter of fact, there came a point in my life where drugs were the only reason why I went to work. It used to motivate me. I'd snort Oxycontin. I'd snort cocaine. And it would give me the motivation to go to work. Because I kind of, in the back of my mind, knew it had to be done. So as long as I had something to push me along, I'd do drugs and go to work. Now, on the other end of everything, I'd go to work while I was high. But I would also then take off again because I was then withdrawing. And I didn't have my stash of Oxycontin or Vicodins. So there you go. There you got another day that you're calling in. Nothing but excuses. Nothing but excuses. And how do I describe this? I don't know. I don't know. We're bipolar. 
And the same way our moods fluctuate up and down, up and down, is the same way that a lot of us look at work. And we compare work to life in this situation where we say to ourselves, well, listen, man, if I'm going to have sex with a woman unprotected who I've never met in my life before, not worry about the consequences, then what the hell makes you out there think that I'm not going to be able to call in sick to work and not worry about what, or have to worry about what my boss or what my job thinks about me the next day? Who cares if I called in four times? Who cares? Who cares? doesn't matter. They'll get over it. I don't care about the consequences. Do you guys know that I went as far as, because I didn't want to go to work one day, and it, it was horrific. I mean, parents used to be like, there was a time when they'd be like, I can't believe this man is canceling again. Like, this man has to be kidding me. I mean, I can't even imagine what they used to think. It's just, it boggles my mind how I could have acted the way that I did, because the truth is, now that I'm on meds, I never want to miss a day of work in my life. That's a God's honest truth. No matter how I feel, for some reason, I feel like I got to go to work every day. But what I was going to say is there was a time where I was traveling to a friend, uh, not a friend, a client's home. And I can't lie, I don't remember what my current mood was. Was I manic? Was I searching for a way to get away so I could go buy drugs, that I just want to be home and sit on a couch, and it was simply I just didn't want to go to work. Because, you know, a lot of times, guys, just the thought of sitting in that chair or sitting in that home or sitting behind that desk or, you know, picking up the, the um, you know, if you do manual labor, you know, organizing or lifting, just the thought of work alone is enough to make us sick because our minds are so unstable. But do you know that I went as far as saying to a parent, calling in sick, <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is sick, okay? Not only did I get a flat tire, which I must have had six zillion flat tires in my life, okay? Besides dead grandmothers, dead dogs, sick people, Fevers, viruses, stomach viruses, the flu. My kids are sick. This is sick. My mom is sick. I got to go to the hospital. My best friend's there. Going to a funeral. Oh, oh, nothing but lies. This takes the cake. I didn't want to go to work so badly that I said I had a flat tire. And in the process of changing my flat tire, the jack that I used for the car, well, I dropped it on my foot. And I hurt my foot so bad that it's inflamed, it's bruised, I don't know if it's broken, God only knows. And I went home and I wrapped my foot in, a, in an ace bandage, leaving just enough viewable to, so you could see like the top, the, the toes and a little bit past the toes. And I took my ex-wife at the time, her makeup and I actually, I guess it was eyeliner or something, something that was able to produce like a purplish, blackish color. And I drew on my foot to make it appear as if I had bruising all over my foot. And I took a picture of it and I sent it to the mom. And I was like, can you believe this? I think my foot is broken. 
because I dropped the jack and oh my poor guy blah 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 I can't believe it and it's amazing because once I get the sympathy and I feel as if somebody believes me and I've I've surpassed my lie and I've gotten it past someone then I would take advantage and say you know what man she thinks my toes broken I could take off Thursday and Friday the whole weekend and then I'll go back Monday you know this is the way our sick minds work so for those of you who have written to me and asked me about employment and bipolar disorder, it is very real and it is very normal for us not to be able to hold down jobs, to get fired. Right, guys, let's think about it. I mean, you know, I gave you guys the reasons as to why ultimately I was um, terminated from my old job. We both, we all know that it was not normal and it should have never went down. And based on a lot of the information that I've gotten over the last month, and only because I promised not to talk about it anymore, I was fired more so than you can ever imagine for no reason at all. None. I had a flawless record. I was not calling in sick to work. Um, I was, every evaluation was perfect perfect. Never did anything wrong. Never got in trouble. I mean, I, you know, I was as, as close to a good employee as you could possibly ever imagine. And the nonsense as to why they fired me was all nonsense. And I know that now and I don't care because it all worked out. We all moved on and things are better now. But, you know, who knows? Who knows if deep down inside, there was something else that went on. Maybe maybe one of my coworkers revealed the fact that I was bipolar. I'm never going to find that out because then they know they would be under a discrimination lawsuit. But, you know, maybe somebody said I'm a wackadoo or a nutball. And they had to find a way to fire me. You know, with so listen, what would what would be surprising about the fact that I went for so many years, nearly, you know, decades, decades of my life, whether I was medicated or unmedicated, literally thinking that nothing was wrong with me, that everybody else on this planet was crazy and I was the normal one. You're the one starting the fight. You're the one picking on me. You're the one that's not being nice. You're the one that's looking at me funny. You're the one that is causing me to be angry. You're the one that is making me anxious. It's not me. And all along I was fooled. Completely fooled. I had no idea that I had bipolar disorder. I thought everybody else was the problem and I was the only sane one. So for all I know, considering the fact that I went a very long time at that job where I was not medicated, for all I know, Maybe there were things that I just didn't see that other people saw. Now, I have to believe that not to be true because my boss is a very, very good friend of mine, or at least was, so, well, my ex-boss. Um, so I have to imagine that had I not been acting a certain way or been a little bit abnormal, she would have let me know. Hey, man, listen, there was a couple of podcast episodes uh, a long time ago where I apologize for bragging about my sobriety because really, if you want to think about it, I, I explained to everybody there was a time in my life where I was, yes, yeah, sober, but I was going out and while I wasn't drinking, I was snorting Wellbutrin pills. And there was one particular night I acted like a complete animal and I'll never forget my ex-boss. She called me up and she's like, listen, I'm not being your boss right now. I'm being your friend. This can't go on anymore. And I, and I think that might have been the night where my wife, my girlfriend at the time, 
ended up having her entire hand sliced open with a knife because I was running around the apartment with that knife to my throat telling her that I was going to kill myself because she was going to, she was making me want to kill myself and from what I could remember I just remember her on her knees begging me please I love you don't hurt yourself don't do this what could I do what did I do what can I do to help when she was really uneducated about the disorder and I had worked my way into her life manipulated my way into her life with my romantic ways and my flowers and my cards and my beautiful romantic writings and my poetry and being that person that she's never met in her life the man who opens up the car door the man who puts on your jacket which by the way just for the record I still do means a heck of a lot more now because it comes from my heart rather than coming from a devious place which is just manipulation from a bipolar person who's looking to, quote-unquote, get in somebody's pants. So she was not educated about this at this time, but I'm sure I blame something on her. I'm sure my sick, delusional, jealous ways saw her look at the mailman the wrong way, and I was pissed off, and I thought that she was doing it with the mailman. I mean... You know, so instead I thought the right solution was to, and again, I don't know the exact reason. It was probably because I had snorted two or three Wellbutrin pills and I was an animal. But nevertheless, I had the knife to my throat and this poor woman is now on her hands and knees begging me. And when she thought I wasn't looking, she went to grab the knife and it sliced her whole hand and she ended up in a hospital getting stitches. And what, what did I do? I'll tell you, the two things I did after that were, one, I wrecked the entire apartment, flipped over the tables, broke one of the tables, and two, I called people from work that both worked like with us, and I played victim. I played victim. I sat in one of the girls' cars, and I said, I can't believe how she treats me. I can't believe that this has happened all because of her. Now she's in a hospital. Not one single thing that went down that night had anything to do with her. It was all me. I didn't know it at the time, but now that I look back, I know it. So when you're in it, guys, you just don't realize it. You don't know it. And again, I've said it a billion times, whether you want to combine it with the fact that I'm smoking marijuana, not smoking marijuana, I'm going to work, not going to work, whatever it might be. I am medicated now. Mr. Joe is medicated and my life has changed significantly because of it. So, again, I ask that you guys go talk to your doctors. Be completely honest with them. Do not, and I repeat, do not leave out anything. Number one, in fear that your medicine is going to be changed or you're going to be put on medicine or because you're scared that... They might look at you like you're crazy, I promise you. Whatever story you have, whatever complaint you have, whatever delusion you have, whatever thing you've done to your body, whatever thing you've done to break the law, whatever drug you're snorting, whatever you've done, I promise you the doctor sitting in the chair across from you has heard it and seen it before. You're nothing special, believe me. And I don't mean that in a mean way. What I mean is you need to be honest. You need to be honest, unlike Mr. Joe. Don't make the same mistakes that I made. Don't, make, don't, don't 
let the doctors hear what you think they want to hear because then your medication dosage is not going to be correct. And you're going to go through what I went through for four years, up and down, up and down, all over the place. Because really, from the get-go, I was never honest. Never honest. And because I was never honest, the treatment was never honest. And it just became a round-robin cyclical effect of treatments that did not work. Because from day one, Mr. Joe was never honest. He was never honest about my marijuana usage other than to my Suboxone doctor. Uh, I was never honest about myself using opiates in the very beginning of my treatment. Um, you know, some doctors, I was never even honest about my previous cocaine usage. Because at the time, I wanted to score Xanax or Clonopin, and I knew in my heart that if I had reviewed my history with them, they would have never given me those drugs. Didn't matter, it was easy to get anyway from my Suboxone doctor. So those are the big mistakes that Mr. Joe made in life. Guys, you've got to be honest with your doctor. You've got to suck it up. You've got to say to yourself that there is one person on this earth, and his name is Mr. Joe, that has gone through exactly what I have gone through in life. Maybe worse, maybe better, whatever the case may be. It's similar enough that I have a success story from a man who does a podcast who could say without a shadow of a doubt, and again, same man that's done the same things as me in life, that can finally say after 43 years that my life is the best it's been. Yeah, I got a great wife. Yeah, I got great kids. Yeah, I got a great job. Great. But my life is the best that it's been because I am able to manage my moods to some extent, or at least manage the decisions that I am going to make, not going to make, observe the consequences, rationalize, um, think about the goods, the bads, the pros, the cons, all those things that I was never able to do while I was unmedicated. And after 43 years, Mr. Joe could say, even though I swing, and I will always, you're always going to swing with bipolar disorder. You're always going to swing. But the swing for Mr. Joe after 43 years, certainly not as intense. It's just a little push. Not swinging very high. My stomach is not making that little, you know, feeling in my stomach like I'm on a roller coaster. As a matter of fact, I'm not on that roller coaster as much as I was. And if I am, I'm on a little baby one with my kids just going up and down little hills. And for the most part, it's manageable. It's manageable. And it's all, all because I'm on medication. So, to summarize, what else could I say other than I am sorry if anybody out there has perceived me as a person who, um, I, I guess, has, has advised or has given the indication that marijuana is a good thing or a bad thing for that matter. I'm not a doctor, guys. The only thing that I could do is share my experiences with you all. Now, somebody next to me has started up their car, which happens to be a big truck. <laughs> so this is a perfect time to say our goodbyes. But again, Mr. Joe is not a doctor. I'm just a human being. I'm just somebody who's out here trying to help my family, which is you out there, and I'm just going to keep trucking along, guys. I'm just going to keep moving along and doing the best that I can. And that's all that I could ask from all of you is just continue to do the very best 
that you can. In closing, I'd like to say if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or a drug addiction, I ask that you continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to battle, continue to fight, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Be back in a couple of days. Everybody have a great day. See you again real soon.